Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to this joint service of Hillhead Baptist and Wellington Churches. It's lovely to see so many faces from around the world this morning, and it's just great that we can join together in this way, no matter where we are. <clears throat> um, our service this morning will be led by the Reverend Katrina Gorton, and everything we need to follow the service, including the words of our carols, you'll find there. If you haven't had a chance to print that out or find it on another device, don't worry. A lot of what we're singing this morning is very familiar and you probably know the words already, so don't worry about that. And just a wee reminder to both our churches that there's no joint evening service today. Just one piece of Hillhead family news. Caris has moved into the Mogai Manor care home this past week. Initially, this is for a trial period of eight weeks, but might become permanent if Caris likes it there. So far, she seems to be settling in, and in the longer term, of course, we'll be able to visit her there. But at the moment, please, it's family visitors only. Uh, and uh, Eleanor would be very grateful if you could keep that in mind just at the moment. At the end of this service, we'll be invited to join a breakout room just to have a chat with one another for 10 minutes or so. If you'd like to join, just hit the Join Now button that will come up on your screen. And if you have to go, well, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you again soon. I hope you enjoy the service. Thank you very much, Anne, and welcome from me as well. As we gather for worship, we join together to light candles, sign and symbol of the light of Christ present with us. God of yesterday, we thank you for the wonder of the Christmas story. God of today, we thank you that you gift us with your presence. God of tomorrow, help us to carry within us the joy, hope, love and peace of this season.
now we come to God in prayer. And after I have led us in a prayer, I will then go on to use a contemporary paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer, at which point, if you would like to, you're invited to say the Lord's Prayer in your own most familiar language and version. But please do keep mics muted. Thank you. So let's pray together. God of love, we praise and thank you for the gift of this new day in which we can meet together online to worship you. God of light, we praise and thank you that even though it be ever so slowly, the days are lengthening and the light increasing, reminding us that the dark of winter will soon pass. God of life, we, who, we praise and thank you that no matter how this year has been, you have shared it with us, unseen and often unnoticed, yet always right alongside us. God, who we meet in Jesus and whose spirit stirs us to love, to live and to be light in a sometimes dark world, we come to you now with our praises and our thanks. Amen. And a contemporary paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer by Sarah Dillon Brewer. Loving God, we honour you and we honour all that you have made. Renew the whole world in the image of your love. Give us what we need for today and a hunger to see the whole world fed. Strengthen us for what lies ahead. Heal us from the hurts of the past. Give us courage to follow your call in this moment. For your love is the only power, the only home, the only honour we need in this world and in the world to come. Amen.
wouldn't be this time of year without a quiz, would it? I think a, a lot of people have probably had a lot of Zoom quizzes over the last almost two years. So we've got one this morning. Um, I'm going to allow you, if you want to, to unmute yourself to offer answers. I'm just going to hope that that doesn't push my broadband into meltdown. But uh, other, if you're not actually answering, it's probably best if you do stay muted. And it's just a bit of fun. No prizes other than maybe the smugness of knowing you got the answer right. So we're going to start off with what are some of the names that are used for this day, the 26th of December? By what names can it be known? And just feel free if you want to, to unmute and shout out or just have a think about that. Uh, Robin's unmuted. Go ahead, Robin. The Feast of Stephen. The Feast of Stephen. Well done, Stephen. Brilliant. Uh, we are onto two screens, so I may not see you. So if you have got yourself unmuted to offer an answer to that one, feel free. Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Thank you, Roger. Yep. So the Feast of Stephen, Boxing Day. Um, sometimes it's not Boxing Day. Uh, when I was doing my research, I was reminded that until um, the late 1990s, it was often referred to as Christmas Sunday because Boxing Day was a bank holiday and you didn't have bank holidays on Sundays. Uh, so um, Anne may remember this from her BBC days that you had to have Christmas Sunday and not Boxing Day. Um, yep, it's sometimes called Christmas One. It's sometimes called Christmas Two. The lectionary is a very confusing beastie. It's also sometimes called the first day of Christmas and it's sometimes called the second day of Christmas. Which leads me on to my second question. In the popular Christmas song, The 12 Days of Christmas, by the time you get to the 12th day and you have received all your gifts from your true love, how many things will you have? Some of you may know the answer to this. I mean, some people do just know it. Others people can work it out. Um, is it the sum of the integers or is it the sum of, uh, of a, yeah, a series? Uh, nobody is going to answer. That's okay. So you will have... 78, I think. 78 is a suggestion. Um, is that the sum of the integers from 1 to 12? Um, it's, it's into the 360s. I think it might be 367, something like that. Well done, Glenda. It's 364 because on the first day you get one partridge in a pear tree. The second day you get a partridge in a pear tree and two calling birds. And so by the time you get to the 12th day, you get 12 lots of gifts. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated um, well, it's fun for mathematicians, I guess. So do we know why Boxing Day is called Boxing Day? Um, it's not an absolutely provable thing, but there are some traditions as to why it's called Boxing Day. Because the, um, the, the fancy houses or the lords and ladies of the fancy houses let the maids and their servants take a box of food to their families. Yep, that's right, Elizabeth. So certainly one of the things is it's the day that Lord and Lady Bountiful um, would give the servants a day off and they would give them a, a, perhaps a box of food to take their families. They may have given them a new suit of clothes to wear for the next year. That's definitely one of the, the traditions that is associated with Boxing Day. Yep, and why it might have his name. Any other theories that people are aware of? So one is that on this particular day, the boxes in churches that 
um, were used to collect arms for the poor would be opened on that day and the money distributed. And certainly on ships, they would have something a bit like a Terramundi pot, pot um, which was where they collected their arms and they would be handed in when they came to ports to be broken open on this Boxing Day to be shared with the poor people. As we've already heard, it is sometimes called St Stephen's Day. Now, there are two St Stephen's in history, and so what their patronages are get a little bit mixed up together. But does anybody know what either of the St Stephen's is known as patron saint of? A few people racking brains. I can see the work the cogs going round in a few heads. Okay, so one of the things he is patron, or one of them is patron saint of, uh, this has a rather strange irony to it, or is it a bit of mischief, is the patron saint of stonemasons. I think that might be the poor biblical Stephen, who is the patron saint of stonemasons. Uh, also patron saint of horses. And in some parts of Europe, um, Eastern Europe particularly, there's a tradition of people bringing their horses to church on St. Stephen's Day to, to have them blessed. And there might even be sleigh rides, horse-drawn sleigh rides around the village um, to follow those services. Possibly, I don't know, that's where the Father Christmas and his sleigh um, myth begins. Uh, getting to much easier ones now. So which popular Christmas carol mentions the Feast of Stephen? I think probably most, if not everybody, will know the answer to that one. So no one's going to call it out. So it's obviously Good King Wenceslas. And the very oh, final one. Oh, sorry, somebody's just unmuted. Uh, nope. Oh, it's Roger and Helen, yeah. Okay, so the very fast, very, very last question is the Christmas cracker joke, because you have to have a Christmas cracker joke. How does Wenceslas like his pizza? Crispin even. Crispin even. <laughs> yeah, deep pan, crisp and even. <laughs> and on that note, let's go on and sing about Good King Wenceslas.
Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait at tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicolaus, together with Philip, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then from 1 John chapter 3. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We know love by this, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and in action.
here we are on the 26th of December, on the Feast of Stephen, on Boxing Day. Whatever you may name it, it's something that doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's the third time since I've been ordained that this has happened. And the last twice turned out to be both quite significant at once at a global level and once at a personal level. Stephen is generally accepted as the first Christian martyr. He was killed for his faith. But what's striking about Stephen is he wasn't one of the apostles. He wasn't a preacher and an evangelist, although he does go on to seem to be gifted by God to do signs and wonders. Rather, he was one of seven men chosen to fulfil a very practical and lowly role within the early church. His job, with six others, was to ensure that the foreign widows were provided with their daily food ration, rather than being edged out or overlooked in favour of those who were racially Hebrew. Just an ordinary believer in Jesus, willing to take on an ordinary role, a lowly role, living out the rule of love that meant caring for the most vulnerable of people, in a society where there was no government safety net. Perhaps had he lived today, he would have been found helping out at the food bank or the night shelter, helping refugees and asylum seekers to fill in complicated forms. Perhaps he would have been doing the shopping for somebody who was else self-isolating or serving food to those who had no homes. It is very much a throwaway remark that we hear that Stephen was somebody who became known for his gifting of God. And we have that amazing long testimony that he gives when he comes to the attention of the authorities. He is somebody who was faithful in his faith right to the very end. And I think one of the things that struck me, especially as I read the longer story of Stephen this week, was that Stephen's final prayer was so much like those words of Jesus. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Someone who was faithful, someone who was lowly and humble, somebody who was motivated by grace and love. It is a lot more difficult to try and get anything approaching a definitive story of Wenceslas, who lived probably a thousand years or more later than Stephen. Born into the royal family in Bohemia during a very violent time, he seems to have been strongly influenced in his Christian faith by his grandmother, Ludmilla, who he lived with for much of his youth. As Duke of Bohemia, he's recognised as a good ruler and a careful administrator. He introduced law and order and an education system. Now, whether he and a page ever did set out on a cold, wintry night when the snow was deep and crisp and even to take food and wood and things to a peasant, we will never know. But we are told that he was somebody who was generous and cared for those in need. He was just 20 years old when he was murdered by his brother and his brother's soldiers. And yet, like Stephen, his final prayers were for forgiveness of those who had 
killed him. So not exactly happy stories for a festive season when we're far more used to a nice cosy nativity scene, and warm feelings. But we see in these two stories how faith in Jesus shaped the lives of two men who came to know him. One of them, very powerful, very wealthy. The other, absolutely not. Very lowly, very humble and quite possibly a foreigner himself. Their faith proved itself not in fine words and careful theology, but a very messy reality of serving those who were vulnerable and powerless. Loving God and loving their neighbour led to very real practical action, sharing food with immigrant widows and poor peasants. In fact, their faith shaped them so much that they had a, a change of attitude to those who opposed them. They could use their final breath, their last words to pray for their enemies' forgiveness. Now, these stories raise all sorts of complicated issues and all sorts of things we could think about. And I don't have the time to do that now, nor would it be right on this day to do so. But perhaps it is good to remember that in the Christian faith, love and forgiveness so often go hand in hand. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the bad things don't matter, far from it. But forgiveness does mean that redemption and transformation remain as very real possibilities. I actually have a slight change to the end of my talks this morning, because as anyone who has seen the news today will know, Archbishop Desmond Tutu has died at the age of 90. And I think he's another man whose faith showed how love and forgiveness go hand in hand, not denying that which was wrong, calling out what needs to be changed, but always having hope and always seeing the best. And I came across this little quote from him. Do your little bit of good where you are. It is these little bits of good that together overwhelm the world. Do your little bit of good where you are. It is these little bits of good together that overwhelm the world. For us at Hillhead, and I'm sure for people in Wellington and those joining us from elsewhere around the world, this idea of the little bits that we can do is so important and so encouraging. And it's a theme that has emerged for us time and time again over the last year. Jesus talked about seeds. He talked about yeast. He talked about powerless little children. And he said, these are the things that can change the world. We live in a battered and bruised world. Beneath the angel song, there have been 2000 odd years of wrong. And yet that hope remains that we find in Stephen, that we find in Wenceslas and above all finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Amen.
So let us come to God with our prayers for others. Let us pray together. God of Stephen, God of Wenceslas, God of all who seek to follow Jesus in this confusing and complicated world that is our home, we bring you our prayers. We thank you for our own churches at Hillhead Baptist and Wellington Church of Scotland, and indeed elsewhere. Communities of imperfect disciples doing our best to follow Jesus in our everyday lives. At this time of festivity and celebration, we pray especially for our children and young people, delighting in all that is unique and precious about them, and asking that you would help us to support and encourage them as they explore the stories of faith and learn to follow Jesus. We thank you for our Christian siblings here in Scotland, communities of faith witnessing to the good news where they are. Today, as Baptists, we think of those churches in Wick and Keese, Wigtown and Wishaw. Thank you for hearing our prayers for them and each congregation we have named week by week. And we entrust them to you for the years ahead. And today we pray too for the Church of Scotland Presbytery of Glasgow, especially following the death of the Reverend George Cowie, a much-loved Presbytery clerk. We pray for his widow Marion and the family in their time of loss, asking that they will find comfort and support. BMS World Mission, in their prayer request for this week, raise an important question. Whose voice counts? as they, along with sister organisations, such as, but not limited to, Christian Aid and CMS, seek to serve projects throughout the world. May they listen well and serve with humility and creativity those who are their neighbours. Beyond the narrow bounds of our own churches and denominations, we pray for those of all traditions, of all faiths and none, as the ongoing concerns linked to the global pandemic and climate chaos, as well as political instability and corruption seem so overwhelming and so destructive. Show us the little thing that we may do to be kind, to be generous, to speak truth to power, to witness to hope and faith, or whatever it may be, so that the light that refuses to be snuffed out may grow brighter and the hope of eternal shalom for all creation may draw a little nearer. These things we pray in the name of Christ, the Prince of Peace. Amen.
May we go from here to love generously and live graciously as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus today, tomorrow and always. Amen.